0: Most people Okay, welcome to episode 77 of What Most People Think And this is, look, it's, it's warmer outside Some of you are seeing it with like 8 degrees centigrade now It's fucking tropical out there, I'm sure that sure that the Lilt Man is coming past your house in Doncaster or wherever, whatever lovely place. I'm not going to say shell. That's a very negative way to start the show. I'm sure if you live in Doncaster, there are nice bits. There are nice bits. And this this is a very special episode. We've got lots of special episodes at the moment. Last episode, we had Owen Jones. And I know that for some people that was pushing them to the limit of what they were capable of. So we go, we're on home ground today and we've got making his third appearance and the first ever person to fully
1: co-host... Is Constantine Kissing. Welcome to the show, KK. Thanks, mate. You've set me up as the anti-Owen Jones. I, I literally thought you were going to introduce me as Adolf or something, you know, just to <laughs> play red meat to the base. Well, as you say, your your name is just
0: one K short of... Uh, Triple K, K. There we go. A tri- Yeah. What, what was
1: your joke on, on tour was if you had one more K... Even Jeff couldn't have me opening for him. I think that's what we used to. I th- used to do, man. But I miss. It. I miss opening for you. That was a lot of fun, man. How do you mate, feel about not being out and about and stuff,
0: mate? I miss. I mean, like, if you want to talk about gigs, I, I miss stuff right down to the level of sitting in a in a coffee shop rather than walking in there like some sort of criminal performing a ram raid. So, yeah, I miss gigging. But there's so many other like sort of spheres of life we get to before before. <laughs> before <laughs> Have you done any Zoom gigs or anything or any No, or
1: man. No, I. I the, the, the way I do it is, that we Francis and I do a lot of stuff for trigonometry together, and I just right. make fun of him, and it makes me feel good.
0: Well, look, trigonometry goes from strength to strength. I mean, who'd have fought? Already a great idea. Suddenly interviewing people <laughs> about stuff during a, a well, at first it seemed like the remember at the beginning of the pandemic you and I spoke and it seemed like the the sort of woke wars had temporarily laid down their arms but then they sort of took up our arms again with greater gusto. and it's been you know alongside the pandemic the nonsense has been the second
1: biggest story hasn't it well that was really interesting wasn't it because for about a month there was this sort of like you know, ceasefire It all. We all were sort of on one side and we were worried about, yeah. you know, dying and, 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 you know, we didn't die for a couple of months and then it was like, ah, let's kick off. And then we had obviously, you know, George Floyd, BLM. And I think that was really the thing that took it right back. Cause I think really up until that point, I think, you know, everybody was following the rules. It was very, you know, very rare for people to be challenging lockdown or anything like that. Everybody mm. was sort of down, you know, for, you know, let's pull together sort of World War II type blitz spirit. But I think when you had, you know, those protests in London and whatever, I think that really changed yeah. the whole tone of everything. And it's obviously just got worse and worse since.
0: But yeah, and, and, and in a way, we went quickly from sort of World War II blitz spirit to people questioning whether the use of the phrase blitz spirit is in itself problematic. You know, it kind of like demystifies the the robbery and sexual assault that happened in the London Underground during that time. <laughs> <laughs> i um i you know like with the trigonometry idea you know one of the the key things there is about giving platforms to people that speak outside some of the woke, woke
1: orthodoxies mm. but it's
0: been how many years has it been going for now
1: well it's approaching three years in april now so uh, it's it's been doing that but you know in addition to giving a platform to those people we also try and get people on from the other side, you know, we've had dandra Andrew Adonis's, you know, Arch Remainer, yeah. uh, Tony Blair's former speech writer. So we do our best to balance it up. What we have found is that there's a lot of lefties uh, or or sort of people on the edge of that way of thinking that uh, are scared to come on because they know how their side works. You know, they always say the right looks for allies, the, the left looks for traitors. And we've had a couple <laughs> of them, right, where, you know, we had everything set up, the person was ready to come on and then on the day... Oh, actually, I'm not, you know, and then you never. So we've had Name, a couple of
0: names, Constantine. Come on, man.
1: Suzanne Moore, Nick Cohen, and the list goes on and on. man.
0: Oh, Nick Cohen, who wrote yeah. an incredibly rabid article about Brexit this week. It felt like, I don't know if you saw it. I mean, he made some fair points in it, but it did feel like he knew deep down. He's basically saying Brexit's been a disaster for trade. I feel like he knew deep down that probably he should at least wait a year. Before getting this eye cloud, but there's something in him. He's so fucking angry about everything that happened. And one of the points that he made was like, well, another promise broken by the Brexiteers will be if we don't do a trade deal with China. Yes, you know, the treatment of the Uyghur Muslims is of an issue. I said, like, no, Nick, you can't just slightly, like, just casually skirt over the fact that the one reason we might not do a trade deal is because we're finally, you know, after Saudi Arabia and all these times we've turned a blind eye,
1: right. we're
0: finally taking a moral stance. But, um, well, well, that's I'm...
1: another thing that's happened, is not it? Like, particularly over the last years, you used to sort of be able to tell where people were politically. Like, if you were on the left and you cared about the disadvantage, so you'd be all about, you know, Palestinians and, and uh, you know, people in Muslim countries and this and that. Whereas now, it's everyone's got their own pick and mix. Like, you don't really know. For some reason, people on the left don't seem to be as concerned about the Uyghurs as people on, you know, it's, it's all hmm. gone a bit hey why you can't really tell where people are going to stand on a particular issue
0: yeah I mean but you were just so well positioned because you started the thing about things like this is to just be ahead of the curve like and then when when that debate really kicked off in like you know 2019 and everyone was aware of these sort of dialogues happening how did it happen was it like back to the future too did you go back to yourself from like this year and just like leave a sort of out, not an almanac, but like a copy of The Guardian that just gave a little heads up that, you know, launching an internet channel which dealt with a backlash to the woke orthodoxies. What, what you know, what, what year did it start? So it started in 2018.
1: Yeah, it was in April 2018. And look, as, as you know, it's hosted by me and Francis. And, you know, we were you, you were much further ahead in the in the comedy game than us. So probably some of these issues were less of an issue for you, or maybe they weren't. I don't know. You tell me. But we were starting to feel like the sort of faction of wokery that we now see was already taken over comedy, and it was very much like, mm. you know, I remember repeatedly being told, "Yeah, you did really well, but but we need a we need a black woman on this bill, so we're not you know stuff like that." Yeah. And I was just like, "This doesn't really make any sense." Uh, you know, the same with uh, jokes. People were starting to say, "Well, you can't say that," or "As a white man, you." Could, can't say that. Ah, uh, yeah, I,
0: you don't get to say that. Yeah. Uh, which almost sounded like a terrible panel show. Like, you know, like, whose line is it anyway? <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to say that. Okay, first up, it's Ryan Stiles and Colin Muckery. And they can say nothing. Two minutes. Exactly. Stay quiet dumb crackers
1: so it what it just didn't make any sense we weren't really coming at it from a place of like we know what's wrong with the world it was very much like yeah well what's going on why 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 is that why why can't i say that anymore why why is that problematic now why you know why why do people react to in a certain way to jokes that two years ago were were funny and still are funny they're just mm. people are a bit tense about them so it started from a place of ignorance and it continues very much in that vein we just Really trying to educate ourselves more than anything about what's going on. Yeah, quarter of a million subscribers later, mate. Yeah, it's not, it's not bad going. You know, I'm glad you could find
0: time even now. To, <laughs> you know, I've it, always
1: got time for you, man. Always.
0: Right, uh, well, we got. I'm trying to build my own thing here with the patrons. I always say hello to a few new patrons at this point. We got a guy who's called Mike, and I always think if they just give one name, that that means that they work in a university and cannot afford to be identified. So, okay, Mike, probably, he probably does admin and gender studies at De Montfort or something. we got Simon Aspinall, who just sounds like an architect. I don't know why. I, li- I like to speculate on what people's names mm. mean. Uh, Simon Aspinall, Nilesh Palmer, who's been uh, a patron for some time and hadn't had his shout out. And Nilesh has been a loyal patron. So thanks for staying on board. And Tim Croddus tim crudders well, there's some
1: kind of reverse discrimination going on there mate you've got someone with a slightly ethnic name and you immediately don't guess where they work come on mate give us give us a guess
0: oh nilesh Palmer. well nilesh i'm thinking that is that's it sounds like an indian name i don't know <laughs> Look at how much trouble your brain has just got nilesh no but then i was sort of thinking romesh is a Sri Lankan name so i was yeah. questioning whether or not I could be that specific,
1: but Palmer as well. That's a that's an interesting surname.
0: Well, of course he's right. He's from Italy, and uh, sorry, not that spelling. Um, yeah, Nilesh Palmer. I think probably he's from Britain. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: think that's <laughs> mate, I, I've ruined this whole thing by just bringing up someone's ethnicity. No, no, That's no, no, what I do, exa- mate. No, that no, is literally is exact, my job.
0: This is exactly what the Patreon name speculation is about. It's about people who've been good enough to pledge me some money and then I deconstruct their names in the worst possible way. So do not, you've actually basically completely on brand. I'm just trying to work out who Tim Croddis is. Tim, Tim Croddis
1: Sounds like he runs a trade union of some kind.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that's exactly what it is. Constantine. Tim Crudus, Uh Yeah. Tim Croddis here from the uh, print and mine workers. What's that Jeff? Print and mine workers. Yeah. That's a fucking union. It's a bit, it's a bit of disparate uh, mix there, you know. People who work in Fleet Street and people—they've <laughs> got people, a lot
1: in common, mate.
0: They have to fucking mime papers. Um, so we uh, we do a cuss count as well, as you might know. And the top five swears for the Owen Jones episode were eighteen fuckings, six shits. I mean, this is quite good numbers for a guest episode where I would normally rein it in, but maybe because of Owen's views on tax. I probably swore a bit about that. Uh, four fucks, three arse and two bollocks. Two bollocks. You always want two bollocks, right? You don't just want one bollock sitting yeah. there on its own. You can't. You can't leave it with one. What did you guys talk about? Well, we. Uh, well, it's good to know you keep up with the podcast, mate. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, we. No, we had. A, we had. Because uh, I did a thing for him with the Guardian a while back, where we met up while while you still briefly could, and it just seemed a bit like Lawrence Fox in a way, like he. You know, he was in a more conciliatory mood, as you know me. I'm a. I like to be liked and I like peaking, speaking to people who are in a bit more of a calm space. So got him on and, and yeah, we just sort of, uh, you know, spoke about how, you know, his views on the Corbyn years and stuff like that. Uh, that we started to go out a bit on tax, um, where I just wish lefties would sometimes admit that a part of them when they make a lot of money hates handing over a big part of it to the state. It's like, you can still, I think fundamentally believe in the principle of progressive taxation, but still be a bit pissed off when you have to pay it. Oh, completely. I mean, you would, you would would believe in progressive taxation, broadly speaking. Yeah, of course. Of course. No, I,
1: I do believe in it. And, uh, I still hate paying tax, though, mate. But yeah. I think anyone who pretends they 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 they're happy to pay their share of tax is definitely lying, aren't they? Well,
0: so yeah, we 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 kind of clashed a bit on that, and we clashed a little bit on. Uh, certain things over the trans issues but it, it was a good chat we got a lot of feedback about it and you know like i said put you know some of my followers were were annoyed that they found themselves liking him more so they're mm. kind of annoyed with me for that for exposing that but you know you as both of us know you do these appearances on telly with people where you're on for 12 minutes and you both get three to six minutes each everyone everyone's better in a long form chat
1: mm. yeah well i'm actually going to go back to listen to it because it sounds really interesting
0: it was, it was a good episode. It seems to have generally got, you know, pretty... People were interested by it, at the very least. It's sort mm. of like... But, you know, but that's the thing about this podcast. Same, same with trigonometry is that I don't want to just speak to one kind of person, but mm. don't get me wrong. I mean, overall, <laughs> on, on balance, I want to speak to people, mainly that I agree with. But every once in a while, it's good to have someone I completely disagree with just to make it seem like I'm open-minded when, I, when I'm
1: fucking... Yeah, wrong. mate, I tell you what, we've got the co-founder of Extinction Rebellion coming on the show very soon. Wow! Yeah, so we so we, we've we've fully overcome that. That's like about seven right wingers worth of episodes in one. Do you know what I mean? like yeah, to balance you, you, it out, you earned yourself a Katie Hopkins with that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, OJ uh, OJ not Simpson. Sorry, uh, Owen Jones. He didn't do any swears on my episode. A lot of people don't. Oh, by the way, Constantine, you uh, we had a leaderboard like Top Gear for uh, swearing. You're such a polite boy. What? You, you two episodes, two swears really yeah too
1: long interview you look fucking incredible mate
0: yeah there he goes he's talking fuck (laughs) you i'll tell you what what, what, i'll tell you what yeah but it's funny you say
1: that because we we, on our channel we have quite a a chunk of american uh fan base and you know if you if you talk about if you talk to some conservatives you're going to get a bit of that sort of american christian right winger type of uh comment and almost every episode when we have an american conservative on it's like why does that guy need to swear so much so i'm feeling like i have to run in believe it or not francis is the one that actually doesn't swear at all on the show oh
0: really and he's in south london it's kind of like a cultural rite of passage
1: exactly pair of cunts
0: yeah we have those guests on and at the moment what I'm, I'm just i'm just always the thing about me is like i don't have an established format for what i do sometimes it's a topical episode sometimes it's a guest episode now i'm fucking with people's heads even more by having a co-host episode but i wanted you to join in with the format of the show we do a, a thank you and a fuck you mm. uh, every week and i thought i'd be interested to hear yours what, what were you grateful for this last week
1: Oh well, this the the thank you is very personal to me. I've got someone on our on our basically like Patreon, but locals. It's another platform yeah. uh, that keeps mocking up videos of me, uh, rather of my face on female bodies in movie scenes. That's so, just disturbing. Yeah, but it turns out the female version of me is quite hot. So like, <laughs> she's a solid like seven and a half. You know what I mean?
0: But don't you think all these apps are basically make the way that they earn money is by making all blokes think that they'd be hot as women? Everybody's Well, like, yeah, I actually would bang myself. You know what I mean? You go, we're men. We have been, in inverted commas, banging ourselves ever since we worked out what our right hand was for. We're not... Yeah, it's a good point, mate, but in
1: my case, it's true.
0: Yeah, and in my case, it's true. I just think for everyone else, it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been enjoying those. And what What about... uh, uh for, oh, one of, A lot of the thank yous that I've been doing are to do with food, because as we know, our lives are diminished and and pathetic at the moment so all we can really do is enjoy food uh what you got any takeaways that have absolutely been smashing it in your world
1: oh there's some we've we've had a few nice Thai Thai takeaways at the studio um Someone else usually orders them. But, yeah, Thai, Thai, uh, Thai lamb.
0: Oh, hello, hello. Sorry. So if someone else usually orders them. We, I'd just say, you know, we've got runners now. That's... <laughs>
1: that's <laughs> we the, really, really don't. Uh, someone the, else has the got to delu- lose. Come on, mate. There's two things. Francis is an expert, and one of them is getting food. He's obsessed with it. I think it's got yeah. worse during lockdown. He, he He's just a food expert now. So he, he's the one that orders everything. Uh, but yeah, what about you? You you cooking much? Is that what you're talking about? Or is no, it all no. Well, takeaways? I, well, it's weird because
0: of the 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 setup of lockdown and stuff, and what the kind of work I've been doing is it's all gone a bit. It's all gone a bit Victorian in my house, you know, because I'm working pretty much every day now, ten till six in the house, uh, and then yeah, the missus is doing. You know, the <laughs> it's it's it's
1: the strange. Old days are back.
0: The good. Well, basically, yeah. Obviously, I can't say that because I've got friends that listen to the podcast. But yeah, she's <laughs> she's been. She's been cooking up a storm, man. She just tonight is her pancake day. She weighed in with pancakes with bacon, worked it up through the levels with fruit, ended up with chocolate ice cream. So that's my thank wow. you this week. Well,
1: thank Mrs. you, Missus
0: is to my good lady wife. What about a fuck you? Have you got a fuck you something? Oh mate,
1: I got a massive fuck you to all the people who answer polls. What hey, the YouGov have, The YouGov yeah. polls. Have you yeah. have you ever have you ever answered a poll, mate?
0: No, I mean, it's been a running thing on this podcast that they seem to ask the most risk-averse
1: pussies. Who are they asking? I know, I know. Who are these people? 80% of the public apparently think 10 years is is a reasonable amount of time to go to jail for, like, lying about where you've come from or whatever. Well, like, yeah, I
0: mean, you know, like, we had the old divide, divide, Remainers, Brexiteers, Left, Right. Now we've got a divide between sensible people and people who think whatever measure it was didn't go far enough. <laughs> yeah just yeah. didn't go far enough what was it what you shoot people in the face for making eye contact well i don't think this goes far should have cut the balls off first it's not enough <laughs> okay so there's two real subjects that we're going to be looking at uh, today we're going to look at why are the tories still doing okay in the polls and we're going to be looking at the cancellation of gina carano from the Mandalorian. Okay, so both you and I, Constantine, we've got very left-wing kind of echo chambers on social media, and every every so often the Tories will, you know, poll 38% or above, and it, there'll be this outpouring of emotion from people like, I don't understand, how could this be? This certainly doesn't reflect the mood at hot yoga. Um, why, why is this evil, selfish, bastard party still doing okay in the polls? And I thought, you know, every once in a while, I need to let them know why that is and i I wanted to discuss with you a few reasons as to why the conservative party might not have completely collapsed i mean first up do you have any theories straight out of the gate as to
1: well i mean the vaccine first of all Mm. right people feel like uh we're about to be out of this i think probably quite naively but nonetheless people feel that way right so uh i mean and and for me as someone who voted remain as you know last few weeks has been quite uh quite an experience because i'm yes. going oh i see that maybe, maybe this is why we voted leave as a country because you know look at look at what's happening in europe versus what's happening in the uk so i think that's probably part of it and even even people who are very anti-boris and anti-tory would have to concede that on that issue they've done very well uh comparatively and also you know you've got Keir starmer's abstention rebellion as i call mm-hmm. it right uh who are you know probably quite hard for them to make a mark because other than what we talked about earlier, which is that didn't go far enough. We needed to do that. You know, yeah uh, we needed to give everyone seven vaccines or whatever. They can't really say anything, can they? Because th- they are probably even more pro lockdown, pro everything well, else. Yeah,
0: there was the, um, you know, when they were talking about priorities for vaccinations, they mm. were sort of saying they were just sort of, they'd made so many people a priority in the end. you were like, well, <laughs> they're going teachers, teaching assistants, dinner ladies, care workers, and you're like, okay, will it just be quicker at this point, Keir, if you just said who isn't, like, a a priority at this point? I think think you're right. I think, you know, one of the things that was always a danger was that when they sort of made PPE, the PPE shortage, which, incidentally, was felt in developed countries all around the world, Germany, the US, Russia, uh, although Russia probably claimed it didn't happen, it did happen, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, they... You know, Easy the, now,
1: mate. I'm going to get some Novichok in your next t- cup of tea, mate.
0: Don't tell Vlad. But we, but they slayed that so squarely at the government's door. Then what yeah. that meant was when the, the vaccine rollout went well, you couldn't then flip the script and go, oh, no, no, this is the NHS,
1: right? Mm. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's part of it. Labour obviously can't really compete. Uh And, the, you know, I, I haven't really heard anything out of Labour that, w- that would get my attention let alone get me excited about anything and you know I'm a floating voter I've, I've only voted Tory once which was the last election and that was mainly because Corbyn was so bad mm. so you know I'm, I'm 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 listening but they're not really saying anything and I think that's another part of it it is like, how are you going to cut through if the party itself doesn't seem to be saying much and then you've got you know Zara Sultana and all these kind of lunatic labor mm. or new take in, intake labor MPs running around saying all well, all kinds of crazy stuff i it's not going to get much cut through but i think mainly it's the sense of optimism that we might be out of the woods mm. uh finally due to the vaccination program so i think it's probably a big big part of it
0: i think you raise a good point there in terms of uh, what are labour identifiable for it does seem like keir Starmer. nothing that he does is is that genuine like when he took a knee it felt like someone had told him you should take a knee. And he just looked awkward. Either that or he's 57 and getting up wasn't easy. Uh, when he sits in front of the Union Jack, he sort of seems like a like a parent going, oh, is you like all this, don't you? You like the old
1: Nintendos, don't you? Well, like, I you know who's advising him. I know some of the people who are saying to him, you know, you need to talk about patriotism and the flag yeah. and whatever. But you can tell it's not. It's not something he's very comfortable with. And also the moment he started doing it, of course, all the left-wing papers started slamming him and 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 people yeah. in his own party started slamming him. And the thing with Labour is until they as a party embrace the fact that actually you know most people in this country don't hate britain for some reason inexplicably right until they embrace that i don't think they're going to be a credible party to be honest with you uh it's gonna
0: seem like it's coming from a genuine place isn't it that that
1: is the problem is like Star. i think i think
0: he's a patriot on balance i think he's a good person i think he's a decent guy on balance i do think that the the job Ultimately, the you know, people sort of when people held the job against him, i.e., smarmy lawyer, that was seen as being petty. And I I I made comments like that, but I thought, is it really gonna be an issue? But actually, what he does is he tries to sort of box people into an argument. He's good at asking questions. He's very he's, he's not so good at giving answers, is he? That because mm. ultimately he got made a sir for formulating an argument that puts someone in a very difficult position, whereas actually People want answers at this point. And, you know, Boris Johnson, for all his obvious faults, and there are plenty of those, delivering Brexit, you know, whether it's a good Brexit deal or not, in terms of Western democracies, no one's done anything that radical for a long, long, long time. And I think that people overlook the simple reality of a politician saying, I'm going to do something mm. and doing it.
1: It's a really interesting point you make. And actually it reminds me, I don't know if you're familiar with the Peter's principle, but the, it's basically the idea that everybody keeps rising in job until they get to a job where they're terrible. And that's when they stop rising. So it kind of speaks to your point about Keir Starmer. He got to where he is by being good at asking questions and you know formulating that sort of critical argument. But uh, maybe this, is, this one is... A totally different position where you sort of have to go. This is what what we're doing, and I'm leading us. And maybe he's just not that kind of person. But uh, it must be hard for the left. Like it must be hard for the stormtroopers. Have you heard that no.
0: one? The stormtroopers. <laughs> the <laughs> they storm. do get. They do get very sensitive about old Kia. They could like. They always took the piss out of the Corbynistas for being a bit ideological, but they get very. He's a good man. Oh yeah, good. Very good. What well, we should have Boris, should we? And you think? Look, the point is is for all Boris's faults and you yeah he's fucking shambolic and, and, he's and terrible at P, and at PMQs I mean like the one thing you were told is like, he'll think on his feet I mean it'll be funny that was what yeah. we were promised he, he, I haven't heard any zingers one liners put downs or anything but if you still can't be more popular than that that's the problem isn't it it starts to to reflect badly and people say well you know uh, Starmer's been marmalizing him at our PMQs. You're going, fucking who watches? You know, PMQs is, yes. a, twi- is a Twitter obsession, isn't
1: it? Yeah, well, Believe it or not, I've stopped watching PMQs. I just think it, it's all such an irrelevance. But, but, but you know what I've been thinking about? Boris is such a British prime minister. There's probably not another country in the world where someone like Boris could be... Mm. The leader of the country. I mean the idea like Russians just like can't comprehend how you could have this sort of buffoonish character yeah. uh be, be your prime minister. It's an, it's a very British thing. It's incredible. Um but I think you have you know your right to be critical because you have seen over the last year or so basically that you know the guys the guy's just useless on so many mm. things. You have got to give him a bit of a, a let off I suppose because he got covered very badly. But you know he I there's a lot of people I hear from who are conservatives. They go, well, I'm not sure he's conservative. The party's conservative under him, you know? No. Um, so Um, No, I
0: mean, it's kind of moved into a, a very sort of centrist, Blairite administration. I struggle to see much of a difference. Uh, in ter- if you take Brexit out of the equation, in terms of not just what Boris has done, but in terms of what I think he will do going forward, what the plans are for the country. It's a mm. sort of quasi Blair right administration and i suppose that's the irony isn't it because you know the 2019 election yet again it was distilled down into this binary good and bad left versus the far right i'm going like my <laughs> god man if that if boris johnson a metropolitan liberal right yeah the most illiberal thing he's done arguably is brexit right mm. you look at all his other kind of policy instincts if, if you see him as far right do you know what i mean then you also sort of see ken clark as yeah. far right.
1: well absolutely wow. most people think.
0: the other thing that labor got against me is you know during the years Corbyn basically had the same front bench for five years wasn't it it was like it was Corbyn McDonnell Abbott and Thornbury and for some reason it always does sound like a sort of like the goons type lineup and it, it often felt like that too mm. but it, it was this stable never subbed anyone out off the front bench you know, he's like a football manager, he's like a Manchester City manager that had like 100 million. You know, he had good MPs behind him, but he never changed it. But I guess the only thing you could say for that is you did know who those people were, right? Mm. I could tell you, right, Keir Starmer leads the Labour Party. Annalise Dodds, possibly the most insipid shadow Chancellor I think I've ever seen. Mm. Um, you know, she's up against Rishi, is incredibly popular, but Annalise Dodds has like the permanent look of a girl on her first day at boarding school. She just looks terrified. I think her-
1: like she, I, I she's a nice lady. I did read. Yeah, no, her she seems nice. very sweet. Yeah. she's very sweet. But but you need a little bit more than that if you're. Well,
0: it's her and Helen said. Whatley have got the same thing going on. They yeah. look like they've both been dropped from the hockey team. You know, <laughs> but but beyond that, I mean, I think I think the shadow health secretary is Jonathan Ashworth. You'd think that. During a pandemic, you probably should know. I, I imagine most people wouldn't know who Jonathan Ashworth I certainly don't know what he looks like. I'm just aware of his name.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, so- I'm not even aware of his name. I think the whole big beast era of politics more generally is sort yeah. of over. We, we, we've got these, as Peter Hitchens described, as small feral creatures that, that, <laughs> that populate the political sphere. So I think Labour are particularly afflicted by that. In, in the Tory party, they've got a few more... Sort of big, big, bigger characters. But yeah, uh, yeah, Labour really don't have anyone that your eye or brain can sort of latch onto and go, I know what he, she, they Mm. is about, you know?
0: The other thing is, I suppose, is that just reasonably, the British public, whatever's happened in the pandemic, we only had an election in 2019, December 2019, what's a one year and three months ago. And I know that, you know, in the social media kind of Twitter arty sphere, we all want elections really every year. We sort of want it to be like the voice. You it's know? good
1: content, mate.
0: Yeah, it's good content. It keeps us ticking over. It's, it's basically sport for us. I don't think the British public, generally speaking, you know, you talk about what most people think. I think that it's like we elected them for five years. It would be nice if for the first time since sort of 2010, we had like a five-year year parliament, you know, and it wasn't... They, I don't think people do want to constantly be going back to the polls because... There are implications to that. You can't really roll out any sort of fucking agenda. Mm. You know, the period from 2015 to 19 was was kind of uh, strangled by Brexit. And that's partly the Tories' fault. Labour had their hand in that. But it'd be just nice. There was a manifesto. And it'd just be nice to give someone, you know, a running. I, I think there's a lot of people. I remember there was an article quite early in the pandemic, which in the Times, which um sort of laid out boris johnson's early mistakes i remember quite a senior times journalist said this is an article that could topple the prime prime minister and i thought no it fucking won't like what do you think like i I think people have got is is there a danger that people have got lost in the kind of tumult of of banter era politics and actually Mm. people are gonna have to settle down to the fact it's gonna be sort of boring for a while post-pandemic
1: Well, I think it is. But also, you know, you you and I talk about elections and stuff. I mean, why would you want, as an ordinary person, an election now? Like, what are you going to get from Labour that the Tories aren't giving you? Other than the sort of visceral hatred of the other party, what is it that they're going to do massively differently? I mean, it's quite clear that, you know, the Tories found a magic money tree, right? They they did. In
0: fairness, they did. All
1: right. And and, uh, I don't think you're going to see austerity. I mean, we had Ben Bradley uh the tory mp for mansfield the mm. first tory mp for mansfield since 1885 i think so for yeah. a long long time uh and he was you know he was saying there's no way we can do austerity right no so, no absolutely not so so what what is it that you're going to get uh, if you have a change of government i mean if you like the greens or something yeah maybe something would change but between tories and labor what is really the big thing that you're like desperate to achieve by getting rid of Boris and getting Keir Starmer and what's the big thing what's the Hmm. what's the policy difference what's the what I don't see anything particularly major right that divides the parties what what, where's the big difference Brexit's done right Hmm. on on lockdown and everything else they just you know they they try to make it an issue of competence but fundamentally everybody wants the same thing um so I'm not really sure that uh, anyone really wants an election? I mean, it would be good entertainment for us, but but even mm. then, I'm not even sure it would be for us because again, there's not that much to 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 put between the parties, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that culturally, I suppose is the, is the big thing. This suspicion that the Labour is you know, we know that the Parliamentary Labour Party is quite left of the leadership, mm. and whether or not you know, you kind of this is what I, I my hunch would be of Labour if there was an election. The manifesto would be very very kind of one nation Labour, veering towards patriotic old school working class values. And it would be kind of like a Trojan horse for a lot of other stuff, you know, because it's just about getting the levers of power. And I think that in the past, you know, in the Blair, when Blair got power, the party machinery was built around him, wasn't it? These big mm-hmm. dogs of him and Mandelson and and there was quite a right of center vibe to the Labour leadership. But now outside of Keir Starmer, where's it where's his sort of centrist backup, you know? Yeah. They can they can pull him left, right and center because of the way the labor make policy with the NEC and mm. and stuff. I, I do think that it would be it would see an escalation in the culture war, which obviously the right wing, invented and then a fighting back on even though they didn't
1: <laughs> that's that is such a clever move by the left by the way well, it's, it's gaslighting it's the word that they made yeah, up isn't it yeah. but basically they spent 10 or 15 years taking over every major institution in the country education yeah. media you know etc television etc it's comedy everything ah like they, they've got complete control of it and they are now implementing all this crazy shit and if anyone like us goes actually i don't think we should be like doing. it suddenly we invented the culture war it's, it's fucking incredible well, do, you, do
0: you want to know one good bit of news one good bit of news if labor were to win an election right by the logic of a lot of left-wing comics they say the reason right-wing comics shouldn't be on topical panel shows is because the tories are in power and you've got a punch up
1: right
0: yeah. what i don't realize is the implicit kind of consequence of that is if labor were in power we'd have yeah. to pension off all the left-wing comics so i'll yeah. say here and now vote labor Okay, just interrupting our own chat here. I mean, let's not, <laughs> I'm not breaking any illusions here. We just carried on talking about, about something differently, uh, about something different. Uh, new patrons, Rob Pierce, Robbie Pierce, Robbie P, and Greg Cobb. I mean, Rob Pierce and Greg Cobb
1: just sound like the first names on the Stag Do team sheet, don't they? They do, mate. Uh, and they do sound like they run a small, like, construction company or something, you know what I mean? Pierce and Cobb. <laughs> Pierce and or, Cobb. Or, yeah. you
0: know, remember Wernham Hogg in the office. Yeah,
1: yeah. They're like the, the main
0: rivals to M- Wernham Hogg Uh but yeah, the Patreon it's keeping it, it's keeping it weekly and ad-free. There's loads of other content coming coming with it, but uh we're able for now not to have some of the uh the, the adverts that you get plastered over other podcasts. Um is there any any interviews you guys have got coming up on trigonometry that's worth checking out?
1: Oh mate, we've got a couple of big ones. I can't say what they are because every time I, I announce a big guest before we've recorded him or her, yeah. they always cancel. Yeah. Uh I but I'll it. just say Clu- that we, clues. Uh clues, uh one of the most problematic men in Britain. Okay. And but uh, didn't, one, didn't
0: Lawrence do it the other week?
1: <laughs> <laughs> more problematic even than that, believe it or not. Wow. Very very much along the Brexit lines. Um and uh the other one, very excited about as well, uh, is literally the most problematic man in the world. Oh, okay. Cool. Well listen in the cultural stay- sphere.
0: Stay tuned to trigonometry for that. And I just want to hype quickly uh, my Instagram. I, I'm getting heat from the agent, from everybody. My Instagram is poor. It's poor. My fo- follower numbers—they're probably like fucking uh, barber shops that have got more followers than me. So if you are on Instagram, just jump it. I mean, I'm not going to put stuff up there. It's just for numbers. I just need some fucking numbers. I need to some numbers so that if some TV bod suggests my name, they don't quickly look at my Instagram and go,
1: "My daughter's got more than that." So. <laughs> Jump on my Instagram Do us a fucking favour My Instagram is like I think under a thousand I literally never even go on there Uh, I I think it's just a middle-aged man Sort of thing man It's not for us It's it's not uh, It's not You know We're like We're like a parrot in the savannah We don't belong You know what I mean
0: As someone said to me Jeff It's not your natural platform
1: No it's not (laughs) It's not It's not for us Which is
0: another way of saying You're a 44 year old gammon Okay, just uh, one more subject that we're doing together here this week is about Gina Carano. Now, if you don't know about this, she's an actress, former MMA fighter who was uh, in the Mandalorian seasons one and two. And it's fair to say that her politics aren't or weren't uh, consistent with the usual left leaning liberal American uh, Actors Guild type take on things. She certainly seemed pro-Trump in the past. So there were already noises about whether or not her views were acceptable. And then. She's made some very sort of and lockdown sceptic points. And then I think the thing that seems to have... She got fired, basically, for The Mandalorian. And the straw that boat the camel's back was a post in which she seemed to compare the sort of uh, demonization of right-wingers in America with the, uh,
1: the Nazi uh, extermination of the Jews, right? Something like that. I think it was even slightly more nuanced than that. She was making the point that in order to what happened to jews in germany was yeah. not done by the soldiers that was of it. the nazi yeah, it was the regime that
0: right neighbors. So,
1: it, it, so mainly her point was if you encourage people to hate other people in society then it will often lead to you know terrible consequences but as you yeah. and i know as comics you know if, if you're you know your, your first punchline is always something to do with hitler and it's usually best to just cut that and go to something a bit a yeah, better, you if know. your
0: analogy is but is 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 right, Third Reich based, it's always worth thinking. Could I do another? And it's not that no one should ever talk about that. it just think yeah. this has to be the fucking best analogy that's ever been done for this to be for this to be worth it? So I I think that what she said wasn't good, a good or sensible thing to say. I didn't I didn't particularly like it. But the, this is the thing, right? This is the thing is whether or not uh, we need to be cancer because again, just like the uh, the. Uh, the culture war doesn't exist. Cancel culture doesn't exist apart from all the people whose, whose jobs it's taken away, including Gina Carano. And, you know, their argument would be, well, you know, there are consequences. And you get this weird situation, Constantine, where you get very left-wing people that seem to be very keen to talk up for companies firing people and mm. talking about terms and conditions, which she broke the terms and conditions. I, I think you can have shit opinions and keep your job. I think you can. I mm. think that as long as you don't break the law... I think it's very dangerous for people to be excluding people. And and what, I guess, people that say that who are left uh, leaning, what they fail to, always fail to realise for me, is that there are a lot of people on the right that would see some of the virtue signalling and activism on the left from actors, and they would find that aggravating. Mm. But, I mean, what was your take on the whole Gina Carano
1: story? Well, the, the, first of all, on the consequences thing, have you thought about this? Like, what I've noticed is... The the people who say that this is just about consequences, people being held to account, etc. In my experience, I think these are the people that have never been held to account for anything they've said or done. And yeah. They have you know, they never got punched in the face in the playground for calling someone names. You know what I mean? No, no, you're right. Uh, bring back bullying at school is what I'm what I'm getting at, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I that's actually a,
0: that's Keir Starmer's next
1: campaign to win back uh, win back the Red Wall. He's got my vote, Um, but uh, I actually exchanged a few messages with Gina because I, I, you know, I actually defended her and I'm probably less, uh, less critical of what she said. It it wasn't a well-made point, but you can see Mm. what she's trying to say. You know, encouraging people to hate their neighbors usually ends badly. You know what I mean? And I do think that that does happen, you know, and we saw it here with with brexit as well you know brexit is being all bigots racist etc we, we know it uh so i i you know i i defend her and i think i wouldn't have phrased things that way but people was trying to say that what she said was anti-semitic and all this sort of nonsense and i just mm. it, they're just using it as a way to punish her for having the wrong opinion and it's uh the cancel culture stuff is just getting worse and worse and it won't end i think until the punishment for cancelling someone is worse than what happens to them. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm. all all the rewards to being canceled don't become better. So in her case, she got sacked from the Mandalorian. She got uh, let go by her agent as well. Mm. So she's probably never going to get another acting job again, at least not that way. But what happened is the the Daily Wire, which is Ben Shapiro's outfit, are now giving her a contract to direct and, and star in a movie. So in this really weird way, we've ended up with basically the direction of travel is you're now gonna have conservative art and liberal it's art. Really or yeah, woke it's art. Interesting point, yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's really bad. Like that's, yeah, that's fucking yeah. terrible.
0: <laughs> well, right? I don't want I don't want any one group totally in charge. Right. I mean, but that's one of the problems with certain artistic outputs is
1: one group have been yeah Uh, very much in charge so it's like maybe it's the only way out but on the other hand you know i think you know art always benefits from different different input and different points of view uh you know you're very good at you know working with left-wing comics and and people in the center uh you know uh, so i i think you've got the right approach on that probably as much as anyone uh, and to see, like, the idea that we can, we should only watch films by, made by people whose political views we a- agree with, I think it's just moronic. But well,
0: I do think that you increasingly have, like, right-wing people sort of starting to say that, well, I only want to have art from people. But it's because, like, we had so many years, right from when the Conservatives, I think, in earnest, when they won in 2015... The, the rhetoric ratcheted up and there was this portrayal of anybody right of centre as evil. So I think that they've sort of been pushed in a way mm. uh, to, to, to sort of, you know, they've been bullied into having an opinion that no one really had, mm. you know, 10 or so years. You, just, you know, you were aware that most actors were probably left-wing, but you didn't really give a shit. I mean, I remember like after the um, after Brexit and the Trump election, certain British actors, I remember Michael Sheen said that he was giving up acting to concentrate on his activism. <laughs> I always think, like, I would love to be, like... Because, I mean, he was crushing it in acting at that point. Mm, mm. And you just think his agent's there. He's going, oh, fucking Michael Sheen on the phone. Probably landed another massive part. And he's like, what's that, Michael? You're going to concentrate on what, mate? You're you're, you're acting. You're breaking up. Because it sounded like you said fucking activism. (laughs) Michael, you're one of the best character actors around at the moment. Okay, okay. Well, get back to me when you were when you were when this little episode ends i don't i don't know when when it, it, i think brexit and trump did unleash a certain mentalness for for a
1: while absolutely and how where does it go like are you i mean are we going to have fucking conservative plumbers and and woke plumbers like where does this shit end because this is my feeling on it politics basically ruins everything right yeah. so it, it's gonna i mean the movies to, to, to a large extent have already been ruined you know woke comedy or or even frankly you know if you had overtly and non-ending political right-wing comedy i don't think that would be particularly interesting either you want a bit of a mix don't you
0: well that's what that's what i always say to people is people sort of think like do you want a right-wing comedy show and don't get me wrong i've tried to pitch things that are certainly i say what you don't really want is a right-wing comedy show what you want is a a less conventional take. So what that means is some right-of-center voices, some more working-class voices, some genuine socialists, which a lot of people don't realise that what's called left-wing comedy Mm -hmm. is intrinsically centre-left and also sort of establishment wokery. So Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, the the last thing I want to do, you know, I've noticed even when I perform in Edinburgh, if I get an audience of people that fully agree with me, it, it does start to seem like a rally. You must have had it yourself when you, when you was there. It's yeah, I love like, those, mate. There's a, but there's, a, I mean, the first couple of times, but then you start to think like there's a level of approval that starts to feel like a beer hall putsch, you know. Like, <laughs> um, so what you really want is, you know, comedy. I mean, in a weird way, you know, like I would say that comedy of all things really does benefit from diversity, diversity of viewpoint, diversity of of, of audience, Mm. But that is, you know, that's supposed to be the project of the left, isn't it? All kinds of diversity. But actually, if you look at certainly political and topical comedy output, both the viewpoint and the audience have skewed heavily in one way.
1: Yeah. And it's it's sad for me because I don't know if you saw the BBC announced the festival of comedy mm. uh, and the lineup is genuinely really good. Like I, I looked mm. at the lineup. There's some really good names on there. People that I respect and think are very funny. But all I saw on my Twitter feed was loads of people, friends of mine, who are very anti-BBC just going, oh, BBC Festival of Comedy, (laughs) that's going to be funny, isn't it? Whereas actually, it could well be quite good, yeah, right? But but I think we've got ourselves into this very polarised place where we don't expect anything good out of, quote, unquote, the other side. And it's bad. It's fucking bad, mate.
0: And, you know, I'm bringing it back to the Gina Carano thing. I, I just think it should be okay for people. Like I say, like, I, I think that what she said was a bit shit. You know, it wasn't that. It, was, it wasn't it was a very well-chosen point. You know, I could see the point that she was making. Way, I'm not upset about it. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, Should we say yeah. shit things? Like, if you was to sit with somebody for an hour and just talk to them, there'd be the odd thing that they'd say you go hmm, that was a bit right. shit but well
1: but, think but, of how much you how much time you and i have spent on the road or sitting backstage or working yeah. on writing stuff or whatever how many things have we said in the confines of that space that if you if you were to put them out in public would, would destroy sorry, everywhere everything
0: is this a weird little blackmail thing is this how it starts what what did i say
1: <laughs> what did i say Could, are you going to make to
0: find out what jeff said are you, are you going to now tell me a number 17 things jeff
1: yeah <laughs> but you know no, what i mean it's like if no absolutely we're all ca-
0: look i've always said this if whatsapp ever gets hacked we're all fucked right? <laughs> yeah every yeah. single one of you. i don't care how fucking left-wing you like to think you are yeah you know like you you just there's nobody that wouldn't be cancelled after that and i i would just like to i, I think redemption is a really important mm. but it's a part of every single world religion right the idea that you can you can do bad things and come back from it so so the idea that an actor, a fucking actor, just expresses an opinion, mm. uh, you know. So now, now we 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 lose that character just because her opinions are, you know, they're 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 not acceptable opinions within the liberal Hollywood community. And I just think that what will happen as well, I suspect, and and you, there will be tit for tat, are not there? There'll be somebody right now. There'll be doxing a left wing person, you know, and then they'll find a left wing actor that said, "Oh, I want to fucking." behead trump's children or something like that you know and then that person will get cancelled and i think actually nobody wins in the long run
1: well it's funny you say that because actually there was an actor from the mandalorian who did use a hitler comparison for trump or something along the, literally oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, the, yeah the
1: same thing basically he did the same thing but the other way around and of course didn't get cancelled this is
0: you, you made a great point what was that tweet that you did about um do not use second world war Analogies, you fucking Nazi. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Well, right, right. Yeah. This is the thing: is like the people who've been calling everyone Nazis for the last five years uh, suddenly deeply offended on behalf of Jews like myself that someone made a comparison with with the Holocaust. You know, it's a joke. I mean, think David Lammy saying that the ERG are worse than Nazis. You know, worse than Nazis.
0: But they, but they, but that's the problem, isn't it? It's the same with left wing fake news. Is I've noticed this with left wing fake news because it does happen a lot. All right. yeah. it does happen a lot is they sort of excuse themselves because they go but you know but it was coming from a good place Right. <laughs> they just honestly think well because my moral fibre is better than a right winger I mm. can be excused of exactly the same shit that I accuse other people of being toxic of it's got to it's got to come to an end at some point but I think what most people think about actors is that well if they're good at acting and they didn't incite a riot let them fucking crack on So just a couple of letters here. I think you'll be interested in this one, Constantine. This I'm going to keep this guy anonymous because I think he probably didn't say, but just basing on what he's saying, I think he would want to be anonymous. Uh, He works for a company that is sort of doing a review of all the advertising that happened in 2020 and the level to which, essentially, Wokery had cut through in terms of sales, and he thinks – the early signs and the early data (laughs) you're going to be so shocked to this is that is that when companies went heavy on the virtue signaling message get this it didn't sell them any more oven chips oh my
1: god wow fuck wow it's because it's
0: almost like people don't want to be preached at when they're being told which oven chips to buy amazing mate that's uh, revolutionary isn't it Well, I mean, what I wonder about these ad campaigns that get signed off, you know, the particularly preachy ones. I think, you know, going back a couple of years, you remember the the Gillette, we can do better than this, which is hilarious. I mean, most people probably know about this, but go and look at it on YouTube. Gillette, having been the flag bearers for a fairly basic version of masculinity, suddenly decided quite a long time after Me Too that they were essentially (laughs) going to tell all men off uh, that they were going to have loads of men standing flipping burgers like fucking Stepford Husbands basically insinuated we're all wannabe rapists and then um, and then they experienced a, a dip in sales and i just i just wonder what's happening in the advertising world to these people that have gone so hard on the woke message and, and essentially compromised sales do you, do you think that in boardrooms there's like or, or are people too scared We a ceo is going to be too scared to call out something that you know had the best intentions
1: yeah, I think I th- I can't remember who wrote a piece about this, but I thought it was really interesting. But basically, there's a generation of executives now who are coming into the sort of mid 50s. They've got grown children uh, who are woke. Uh, the, the, the young employees at the companies are woke. And mm-hmm. so they're getting this double pressure. They're getting employees in the workplace going, well, we need to do more about. That. And then they're coming home and you know their daughters just come home from university with some new ideas about you know diversity inclusion <laughs> white privilege and all the rest of it and and they're like oh, well i really want to be liked by my kids you know what i mean i think that, that yeah. there's a big part of that there's just a generation of of young people now who are coming into into the workplace uh and into adulthood more generally who are exerting that sort of influence and it be you know for older people like us it'd be interesting to see what happens 10 15 years from now because their kids are going to come of age and they're going to need to rebel against their woke parents. And so, Jeff, good news for us, mate. By the time we're 60, there could be a brilliant, super right-wing backlash.
0: Okay, so that is pretty much uh, the end of the podcast. It's been a delight to have Constantine Kissing with me. Um, Constantine, uh, co-host, the first person to clock up a hat trick of appearances. And let's be honest, given the limited pool of comedians who see things that we do, this is not going to be the last... <laughs> if you'll come back it's going to be me and leo just for for the rest of eternity uh just read i always read out a few uh five-star reviews only five-star reviews from itunes thank you to everybody that's leaving on the other podcast things i just don't know where to find where those reviews are uh this is from rushy 72 rushy he says being a fan of jeff's comedy from the mash report and now a fan of this podcast it speaks to me on many levels but recently hit a note when he spoke about issues close to my heart I'm not talking about the many political issues, but hair loss and dog crap as I was picking up my dog's fifth crap of the day. There you go. See, Constantine, we could talk about all the satirical stuff we want in the world. Some people really connect when you're with the dog shit, with the dog
1: shit material. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We've got 9876 Emma here. Definitely one of the podcasts I listen to every week. Always funny. Always insightful. Keep up the good work. Uh, this is from uh, Emmy Webb. Always sharp and funny. This is matured into something really considered and essential. I fucking matured. No, you, there you go, mate. You ma- this feels like getting a nice report off a teacher, you know. Uh, even the Owen Jones one, which featured Owen Jones, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> uh, always enjoy it. This is from a name that I can't really read, but I always say if I can't read the name, it's definitely a Russian bot. So therefore, I have to do the accent. I always enjoy Jeff's podcast.
1: Is this, is this triggering right? Well, this is the one I wrote for you. Yeah. Great
0: humor and very in tune with my and a lot of people's outlook. One of the things I really enjoy is variety of guests. And this week's episode with Owen Jones was a really good example.
1: It reminded me of being in the Soviet Union.
0: <laughs> very good um jamie hornsey um oh i think did we have jamie hornsey last week okay so i think that that is the new reviews for this week uh once again thanks to constantine Kistin. what stuff always checking out the trigonometry the youtube it's available by podcast as well right yeah
1: it is yeah and uh we do two interviews a week now so we've got one on a wednesday one on a sunday and also francis and i do just a sort of bantery review of the news uh, every day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at 7pm as well.
0: Fucking hell. This is, this is it. If you, this is it, people, if you cut us out of the mainstream, we will make our own shit.
1: Okay? Exactly.
0: And it would be really labor intensive and
1: actually a lot of fucking hard work to earn a decent wage. And it would be easier if we were on television but but the shackles are off mate this is the great thing about what we do there's no shackles we can do what we want you know and that that, to me that's more valuable than than anything even tv
0: your own show
1: travel show Eh. you know what i'd love to do some history documentaries See, look,
0: everyone's got a price to suck that TV dick. We, it didn't take long, <laughs> didn't it? You go, so what was
1: that, Tim, Davey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no, I right. think BBC really great. Uh, the way you've maintained balance over the last four years has been terrific. No, man, but it's true. What, what you
0: guys do is inspirational for a lot of people coming through. And as I always say to people, people say, uh, is comedy you know ready to change? And I always say comedy has changed. The only issue is whether television catches up. Listen, Constantine Kissing. Thanks so much for coming on the show, and look forward to you making your fourth appearance in the not too distant future.
1: Thanks for having me, mate. Have a good one.